Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. On DAV Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night Review of the Year with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Welcome to the final fight night of 2017. It's an absolute pleasure as always to be in your company. I don't know about you, Gareth A. Davis, but I'm absolutely giddy as a kid in a sweet shop. It's a big one. It's me, Adam Cattrall, Gareth A. Davis, for the final time this year as we look back at an amazing 2017. Let's be straight, 2017 for the world of fight sports has been pretty special. You've covered this for many, many years, my friend. The best ever? Come on, be honest. Tell me, is this the best year ever? It's very, very close to it, and we're going to find out over the next two hours, the next 60 rounds, yeah? <laughs> we are going it's 40, indeed. actually. I've got my counting wrong. <laughs> I can tell it's near Christmas. I think, Adam, it, 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 when you look at, certainly in Britain, I think it's the greatest year ever. This is how the show's going to work tonight, okay? So each section's going to be brought down into two months. Um, and then at the end of the show, myself and Gareth are going to be going through our fighters of the year, our fights of the year, our knockouts of the year. And we're going to make some bold predictions for 2018 because we think it's going to get even better, don't we? It can't get any, it, it can't go downhill from now. It's got to go even higher. Surely, Gareth. I think so. Um, you know, the, the, the thing is about um, this year, there's just been a steady, steady, steady growth. And, and it, it comes from the top. When the heavyweights are busy, when the heavyweights are big, as they are with four unbeaten, the four unbeaten kings at the moment, and Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury being in the mix with two British fighters in the heavyweight division, everything else cascades beautifully. And, and, and that's where we're at, Adam. We've got so many world champions. Um, you know, we've got this great show on TalkSport now, uh, TalkSport backing boxing, and I think it's five channels showing boxing mm. in the country. It all counts because the bottom line is there's no other sport like it on earth. Absolutely not. Let's, without any further ado, take that trip down memory lane, shall we? Let's get into it. This is January and February.
2016 finished brilliantly for British boxers, but 2017 didn't start just as good. James DeGale's bid to unify super middleweight world titles in New York ended in a draw. Hampered by injury, his bout with Badu Jack turned into a punishing battle. DeGale returned to England with his IBF crown, whilst Jack vacated the WBC trinket in order to step up to light heavyweight. Javonta Davis announced himself as a potential star, demolishing Jose Pedraza to win the IBF super featherweight title. Mikey Garcia completed his comeback with a KO of the year contender against Dejan Zlatichinin to win the WBC light, uh, lightweight world title. Uh, Lee Selby's nightmare 2017 began in Las Vegas uh, as his fight with Jonathan Barros was called off an hour before he was due to weigh in. Chris Eubank Jr. began his tenure with ITV box office. David Price unraveled against Christian Hammer while Scott Quigg left Joe Gallagher and moved to Freddie Roach's wildcard gym in the States. His former four, Carl Frampton, who you've just been hearing from there, who was arguably our fighter of the year in 2016, couldn't carry on that momentum into the new year and lost his rematch with Leo Santa Cruz. And that's where we'll begin, because let's be honest, you've got to give a little bit of credit to Carl Frampton. He's looking for those big fights. Once again, going over to the States, putting it all on the line for those legacy fights, but came up short this time. And no fault of his own, because Leo Santa Cruz in that fight showed us something that we haven't seen before. He boxed. He didn't come forward, did he? He was a little wily old cat on that night. No, very well put, Adam. I mean, what was interesting was that when Carl Frampton had become the Ring Magazine uh, Boxer of the Year in 2016, with a brilliant performance on the East Coast against Leo Santa Cruz, uh, one of the greatest performances by an Irish or British fighter overseas ever, I think. Mm. You know, to rank with Lloyd Hunnigan, um, mugging Donald Curry back in 1986 over in Atlantic. He mugged him right off. He was was the ragamuffin anyway, wasn't he? And uh, uh, Lloyd, and and he uh, he really did mug Donald Curry. He was considered at 25 and 0 at the time the pound for pound number one in the world. If um, if our listeners aren't aware of that, go back and watch some of the YouTube uh, video on that fight. It's incredible. He would not be denied the South London terror that night. And I, this is what. Carl Frampton did with Leo Santa Cruz, a very adept, very skillful volume puncher. Um, he, he, what, what Carl did brilliantly in the first fight was he boxed when Santa Cruz was fighting mm. and he fought when Santa Cruz was trying to box and he really took it away from him. It was, the, it was a great victory and it propelled him into the top 10 pound for pound rankings. And of course, they met again in Las Vegas. Um, the difference this time was that Leo Santa Cruz's father was in his corner. And I think that was overlooked a little bit by perhaps by the McGuigans. I don't know. They don't really leave many stones unturned. Of course, they're not together now. There was the split between Frampton and the McGuigans later on in the year, um, which is a shame in my view, because I thought that he was almost like family. Hmm. He was like the fourth son of Barry. But um, one of the things I thought about Carl in that second fight was he didn't start well. Leo Santa Cruz boxed brilliantly from the beginning. He came in and out of range Do you think he startled him a little bit? Like he, he was surprised with the tactics that Santa Cruz was using on that particular night? Yeah, I do. I think they hadn't... I think they'd... You don't underestimate a guy like Leo Santa no. Cruz, but they didn't think he was going to box them in the way yeah. he did. And, and He'd um, never showed us that before in previous well, fights, no, though, he had, had he? He, had, he had, though, Adam, in a fight with Abnamaras, where he was able to work off the ropes brilliantly. He He's very clever, Leo Santa Cruz. And I think they, what they thought was that, you know, rather like styles make fights, they thought they had his number, but they didn't. And his father is a brilliant man, brilliant tactician, brilliant technician. Mm. And, and, no, we hadn't seen him do exactly what he did then to, to Carl, you're right. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, but what, what, what he'd shown flashes 
of a real ability to just sit back, not be a volume puncher, box behind his jab yeah. and wait for get ahead and wait for someone else to come on. And Carl was bereft in that flight that fight. Um and, and it it was it was a real shame because he was riding so high, he was so well considered. And of course, what we haven't had since is the trilogy fight, which mm. we needed to see. Um, and I think it's a real shame because the feeling was, and maybe it's a bit naive of, of, of Carl and the McGuigans, was that Leo Santa Cruz was going to come and fight them in, in Belfast, in Windsor Park, in front of 50,000 or whatever it is, can get in there mm. outdoors in the summer. Because, you know, now nah, he's got the belts back and they're going to have to go back over there if they want to fight him mm. again. What we have found this year, with those two fighters that I've mentioned in that opening package, in particular Carl and James DeGale, how there's no forgiveness in fight sports is that you can have a brilliant year one year and then the year after can be totally contrasting it's why it's the toughest sport on earth because every time you know it's very easy for us to sit here and it's very easy for me to sit with them and and listen to them and and you know people in armchairs to criticize boxers but at the level where the people we're talking about or even any level in fact the guy that works as a scaffolder picks up his boxing yeah. bag and is the glue on on an, on an undercard, on a, on a small hall show. Even the white collar boys, you the, know, those yeah, type of characters. Exactly. They, 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 they're putting it all on the line, and, you know, it really is guts or glory, uh, you know, and uh, guts and glory, uh, or glory and bust in some ways f for these guys, and we've seen that this year, and it's it's been hard for Frampton to recover this year, I think. You know, there was the abandoned fight with um, Gutierrez um, in the summer. Where, shower get. <laughs> shower, shower tap. You know, Carl doesn't make weight, and I know we'll come on to that later. It's in the summer, so it's later on the, in the show, but the the, the thing is... It hasn't been a great year for him. He didn't look brilliant when he came out later in the year, but the th it didn't start well for Carl, um, and, and nor did it start well for Selby on that, that Vegas no. card, as you alluded to. He's had to a nightmare well. year as well. Yeah, he hasn't had a great year. Jonathan Barros suspiciously not turning up at the press conference on the Wednesday out there in Vegas, I recall. And, you know, because his paperwork wasn't in on time. And this was the fight. This I know that Carl was destined to lose that night but this was the semi-final if you like yep. for the two guys to meet um, Selby and Frampton you're referring Selby to and there, Frampton yeah. to meet later mm. on in the summer of course it was a big build up but you know um, you know also on that card um, that, that night in uh, in Las Vegas in January was Mikey Garcia making his return against Dehan Zlatikanin as I call him I think, I think he's Montenegrin or something yeah. isn't he yeah yeah he, and he um, the knockout was unreal we probably get onto this at the back end of the show yeah, talking about our knock and knockout uh, it, of the year no, because it, it might be in there it was one of the comebacks of the year one of the knockouts of the year um, Mikey Garcia had been out of the ring uh, due to a, a, a promotional dispute a managerial dispute with Bob Arum and he was back and for me he's a guy that walks into the pound for pound top 10 this yeah, absolutely. year absolutely no question whatsoever and he had a cracking year did Mikey Garcia he might even go down as one of our fighters of the year but you're going to have to stick around for that you're going to have to stick around because we've got so much to get through uh, on the show throughout the course of tonight don't forget if you if you I don't know because it's Christmas season I appreciate that you might have to go out for a Christmas party and all that type of thing we will put this as a podcast a nice two hour epic special for you to enjoy with a turkey butty at some point over the Christmas period without any shadow of a doubt alright make sure you follow Gareth on social media Gareth A. Davis DT that's Perfect. correct on Twitter uh, myself Adam Catterall the link double T double, double T one R double L the, that's how we roll alright we, we, we spell for each other uh, <laughs> the, the link will be there 
there for you so you can subscribe and when it hits the feed you'll get it and you can enjoy it because we're going to go through the whole year okay uh, coming up next March and April and I've got a funny feeling that for the next 12 minutes we're going to be speaking about a heavyweight clash that happened in Wembley I'm j- just that's just me spitballing it might be that we might think of other things as well to talk about over that uh, two month period it's been an epic year uh, as 2017 and here at Talksport we're delighted to be involved with it you are listening to the Fight Night Review of the Year yeah Fight Night Review of the Year on Talksport and next standing up uh, what an epic couple of months March and April were disgraced Russian heavyweight Alexander Povetkin was suspended indefinitely by the WBC following two failed drug tests in 2016 uh, crowd pleasing scouser Derry Matthews called it a day after he was defeated by O'Hara Davis on the same night you heard it there huge underdog Tony Bellew shocked the sport by stopping former heavyweight world champion David Hay in the 11th round at the O2 in London Keith Thurman recorded a split decision victory over Danny Garcia to add the WBC strap to his WBA version at welterweight Michael Conlon made his Pro debut at Madison Square Garden, and he was led to the ring by UFC superstar Conor McGregor. I am boxing. <laughs> I am boxing. Triple G kept his WBA, WBC, and IBF <laughs> world titles uh, after claiming a disputed unanimous decision over Daniel Jacobs in a, an exceptional bout on the mm. undercard. Srisket uh, saw Rungvisai uh, pulled off a surprise majority decision against the man that goes by the name of Chocolatito. Jorge Linares beat Anthony Crawler again. Liam Smith and Liam Williams ended in controversy, whilst Julius and Dongo took Ricky Burns to school in Scotland. However, April, we experienced one of the greatest heavyweight events of all time. 90,000 people at Wembley saw AJ climb off the floor to beat the legend that is Vladimir Klitschko. Shall we start at Wembley? Why not, eh? Well, I think we must add, because, um, you know, this is, a, this is an event, a fight that has defined boxing in 2017, and I think uh, an event uh, and a performance that showed stamina, heart... Um, and and a real champion's desire from Anthony Joshua. He showed in his first acid test against a guy we didn't know whether he'd be able to handle in Vladimir Klitschko, whether he really had the wherewithal mm. to carry the belts properly. Yeah, he'd 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 won a belt. Um, 
the IBF from a couple of again well defended it won it from Charles Martin defended it against a couple of facile Americans and this was the acid test and you know he over celebrated early he got punished for it he got knocked down like a shot oxen in the sixth round collapsed but he got up and somehow he came through a whole tunnel of confusion for seven or eight minutes and came out the other end and enacted a brilliant finish Mm. against a guy who well who has been beaten, beaten by Tyson Fury, but who really did dominate the division for almost a decade. And it really announced Anthony Joshua after his gold medal in 2012 and announced to the British public that we really do have a boxing superstar on our hands. Going into that fight, I remember talking about it extensively. Um, and it was all about questions. We didn't, we didn't, we hadn't had any questions answered by Anthony Joshua. No disrespect to the guys that he has fought, because as we said at the top of the show, we respect everybody that puts on the gloves and has a go at this. But Charles Martin, let's be honest, he came here and he sold his belt. Like that, that's how it went down. And it was Tyson Fury that blew up in this division without Tyson Fury doing what he was doing. Anthony Joshua wouldn't have been a world champion at that particular point of his career. So this moment for me was right. Let's answer a question. How good are you? Mm. And for me, he answered a lot that night, more so than any other of the active heavyweights I'm just leaving Tyson out of this at this moment in time but more so than any of the other active heavyweights he's answered a question so he's got to be top of the shop definitely and you're right to say that about Charles Martin because if for a man that was knocked out he was using his gloves to block his eyes from the light after he was looking up into the lights on his back and you don't do that if you've been knocked out mm. um, yeah he came to pick up a big check um, Anthony Josh like you say there was a lot of debate about um, would the old champion have too much for him it was it was um, it was a I've been to two or three of these events now at, at Wembley, or these big stadium events. I would say two or three. I've been to tons of them when I think about it. Uh, my mind is now whirring. Yeah. Um, there was something special about that night. It was such a dramatic narrative. Mm. The two men were, were incredibly polite with each other the whole time. Um, you know, Joshua's happy to mirror his opponents. Klitschko put in the best performance I've ever seen him have, frankly. Um, and I can remember on the Sunday going to sit with Anthony Joshua in a large mansion in St. John's Wood next to Lords with five or six or maybe maybe ten of us actually from the boxing media from the Nationals and spending the afternoon with Anthony and it really was um, a great morning, a great afternoon, morning and afternoon with him because he was very, very happy and he wanted to know what he'd achieved. I remember working... Um, the night, the day of the fight, going on the Today program, so that the you know the, the adults were really following it. Mm. The, the, the politicos were following it. Um, it was front, centre, and it back. Crossed over. It, it, it really it did cross over. The sport, didn't it? And yeah. you know he's such an Adonis physically. Regarding the other heavyweight clash that happened in uh, those two months that we've just been talking about, there. Um, a bit of a surprise for the majority of uh, boxing journalists. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm a Tony Bellew fan. I fancied him in this mainly because I didn't think that. Uh, David Hayes' body would live up uh, to the situation um, and I was proven right with his ankle giving way I didn't think it would be his ankle I thought it would be his shoulder because he's had surgery on that obviously he's uh, getting on a bit now um, for you was it a surprise that uh, the, the way that that fight panned out? well um, no but it was a, a, um, yes uh, yes and no I mean weirdly that night I was on stage at the ICC in Birmingham with Floyd Mayweather mm. talking to him about potentially fighting Conor McGregor um, I'm getting so excited I nearly spat all over you then I do apologise <laughs> um, but it, of course 
um, even though we've talked about, like, say, in reverse here, it was like a lead-in to that Klitschko-Joshua fight, because yeah. Hay and Bellew was before that, and it was in March. And there was a... It was either March or early April, but the the, the thing was about it, David Hayes for a long time been the most dangerous heavyweight puncher in the UK you know look what he did to to, um, to Derek Chisora no one else has done that Chisora went 12 rounds with Vitaly Klitschko for goodness sake mm. you know I, I mean he's been 24 rounds with uh, with Tyson Fury and so on and so forth um, very few people have been able to put him away and um, what was what was key in that fight was that because we I was at this dinner I'm waiting for Floyd Mayweather to come on stage, but we had the big screen on behind us, and there was such a dramatic narrative to that fight that people didn't want Mayweather on stage till the fight was over. His PRs were complaining, why isn't he going on stage? Who have they come to see here? All the egos were out. But the crowd, there were about 450 people in the ICC that night Mm. having their dinner. You could not take your eyes off the fight, because... Hay was dominating to round five, and then suddenly, and, and, and overstretching himself a little bit, and not looking great, making, I've said this before on air, making Tony Bellew look a little bit like Floyd Mayweather at times. Um, if I can, people will crucify me for, for saying that. But uh, people know what I mean. This movement was very good. Tony had to be very smart. It was a brilliant build-up. All the trouble in Liverpool, and, mm. the, and, the, and the kind of, I'm going to kill him, and all this stuff. It was, yeah, it was tasteless. But it really sold the fight, and people were fascinated, you know. Too fair divisive characters in the way they present themselves going into a fight. Two men that just would not back down, in the words of Tom Petty, um, who we lost this year, and I've got to mention him. Well, I'm a big fan of Tom Petty, but he he never boxed, by the way. He'd have been an atom weight. He didn't weigh much, old Tom. Um, and, And I think... Hay... There were hints that Hay wasn't fit going into that fight. And because he was injured... Um, it just made for an amazing spectacle. Yeah, it did. And he fought on one leg for four, five or six rounds, and it was quite staggering. I mean, I, I was with David Hay last night, actually, uh, in a northern city, and he, he was working TV, and he was gutted that they couldn't have the rematch this year. But they'll do that in, in May 2018. And, you know, it's great when there isn't a belt on the line sometimes, but it's just people's reputations mm. that's on the line. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Tony Bellew, Adam, as well, and, you know, I've loved Tony for a long time, because you cannot write the man off. No, absolutely not. One of my lasting um, um, impressions of these two particular months, by the way, uh, was the amount of times I saw your mush around uh, Conor McGregor, my friend, at Madison Square Garden. It was absolutely sensational. Obviously, everybody was turning up for Michael Conlon's professional debut. However, Conor rocked up, walked into the ring, and then he gave us the soundbite of the year. Yeah. I am boxing! There it is, I am! Mike. But, you know, he stole Michael's thunder that night a little bit. But you know what? I'd been, as I said, I'd been on stage with Mayweather asking him about the Conor McGregor fight. McGregor was there. He did his thing. He did it that night. He made his statement. He walked away. And he, he, we know what happened a bit later and I know we're going to talk about it the one other thing that happened in those two months Gennady Golovkin was just tested by Danny Jacobs I thought he got beat yeah well well, I I had a draw I actually scored a draw even though I thought Golovkin won and there were just signs that maybe Golovkin was slowing and it set up the signing of the fight then which we will see later in September, which was obviously Triple G against Canelo, Saul Canelo Alvarez. There you go. If you've only just tuned in, this will be available as a podcast. It's our review of 2017. You are listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. Fight Night, review of the year with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on TalkSport. Good shot from Spence and a lovely combination. 
Oh, Calvert's hurt here, and he's down! All over the ring! He's going to be taken out here! Injured out of the eye, and here comes Spence again. Errol Spence, but he's gone down on one knee. But Benetta's got himself free, just looking to take his time slightly. Oh, big right hand! Big right hand from Benet. And Haskins is down on it in. There he goes down again. Right hand there, a couple of right hands in a row. From Burnett, just dumped him down. San Martino scores the contest 118 108 in favour of Haskins. Jan Cole scores the contest 119 107 in favour of your winner from Belfast, Undefeated light heavyweight. Champion of the world, Andre S.O.J. Oh, on the right hand, oh, Andre Ward really wobbles Kovalev there. Kovalev's okay. complaining they were low. Andre Ward believes he's won by knockout. The summer months were absolutely sensational. The Battle of Mexico was won by Canelo, uh, and uh, Chavez Jr. was battered from pillar to post. Uh, the highlight of the fight, though, was the fact that Triple G was waiting in the wings to announce a super fight for the start of the season in September. Uh, Leon Lawson Jr., the uncle of Andre Durrell, disgracefully attacks Jose Categui. That was a disgusting uh, punch, that was. Oh, absolutely. A sucker punch when he wasn't looking at a boxer from a cornerman. Absolute disgrace. That man should never be seen in the ring again, Adam. In his hometown of Sheffield at Bramall Lane Stadium, uh, Kel Brook suffered a fractured eye socket against American star Errol Spence Jr., resulting in an 11th round KO win uh, for the visitor and became the new IBF champion George Groves on the same bill at the fourth time of asking became world champion in the super middleweight division stopping Fida Chudinov in six Ryan Bennett beats Lee Haskins to become the IBF bantamweight world champion and Andre Ward beats Sergei Kovalev again this time stopping him in the eighth leaving no doubt who the main man is at light heavyweight and now he's retired what's he done that for? No, he's a man who does his own thing, and and I think he retired at the, as number one pound for pound fighter in the sport, undefeated. Yeah, um, with his faculties intact, with his money intact. That's how you do it, isn't it? That's it is how, how you, you do it. it. And I'm a huge fan of uh, Son Classic. of God, the Son of God, as he calls himself. I'm led to believe, my friend, that you're spending a bit of time with him in January. Are you? Are you yeah, hanging out? I'm Just... still organising it, Ed. But I'm yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be around that area in Oakland. I'm gonna be hopefully seeing Nicola Adams, yeah. Virgil Hunter, Amir Khan, and Andre Ward. I'm going I'm to go to a kind of um, I'm do something like go to a shopping mall with him and his wife right. and do a little bit of uh, January sale shopping and we'll record it and send it over for the make, show make sure you get all over uh, Gavish social media there'll be selfies galore with the son of God won't there yeah of course I will <laughs> of course. <laughs> what a fighter what a fighter though well I've, I mean you know I, I mean t- my time around Andre probably goes back probably about 10 years maybe 8 or 9 years actually and certainly in that period when he was in the Super 6s when he showed how hard he was when he fought people like Mikel Kessler he put his head in um, you know he's the only man to really school Carl Froch and he did and he, he schooled him I mean yeah, Carl, Carl I'm a big fan of Carl We'd be, he, 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 I've been cobra by him on Twitter I, Carl's bawled me out at times but I'm a big fan of Carl and um, you know and, and the, but the thing is he could not find a way in against Andre Ward that night in Atlantic City mm. in the final of the Classic Super Sixes. But they both became stars out of it. Andre Ward, for me, is uh, is one of the best boxers I've ever seen. He's, he's Mayweather level. He never... The, the weird thing is, you, you often ask, and, you know, obviously there was the second Kovalev fight there. It was at the first one as well. Mm. Um 
that you ask with Andre Ward's, what, Ward, what has he got? But he just doesn't worry about what he's got. He's just in the office and he mirrors what other people have got and he just unlocks them. And he's just in there and he's just doing his thing. And that second fight against Kovalev, yes, there were low blows towards the end of that fight. Yes, he should have been deducted a point and um, Kovalev given time to recover. But by that time, your lookalike, Sergei, <laughs> um, you're just a slightly sh- smaller version of him. You know, he's yeah. a big man, Sergei, but you've got that kind of chiseled... Balding. European. <laughs> no, 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 no. You've got, you've got lovely hair. You've got lovely hair. It's just not too much at the very back. Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> Hence the Kovalev lookalike. No, no, but you have got a, you've got a great chin. You have. I bet you have got a, a very good chin when you Don't box. Test it out. Don't um, no, test no, it no, out. No, only with my feet. <laughs> yeah, that, the only thing I will throw at you tonight is a head kick from a sitting position. But no, but the, the, the thing is, Kovalev was was mentally finished in that fight for me. Absolutely. But but I think Andre should have had a point deducted, and this is what caused the controversy afterwards. You know, with Kathy Duva being annoyed, grabbing the microphone, there were arguments mm. at the press conference, and frankly, Kovalev was done in that fight he should have point deducted Andre for the low blows and then it should have carried on um, Andre had his number mm. talking about being mentally defeated Kel Brook at uh, Abramal End the second time obviously off the back of the uh, Triple G fight when he busts his eye socket in that fight he then busts his other eye socket in a fight and, uh, for me against people will argue now they'll say Keith Thurman but for me Errol Spence Jr is the boy at uh, welterweight for me uh, and he'd Kel started really well in this fight, but then he just got absolutely broken down by Errol Spence. The class came out and damaged his eye socket. And let's, for want of a better word, he ended up calling it a day himself in the eleventh round. Did he? It was a really good fight, and it was, um, you know, Kel. Both Kel and Amir in in two thousand and sixteen took on. Uh, fighters who are naturally bigger than them in Golovkin and Canelo mm. um, respectively in Vegas and uh, I can't remember was it the O2 Arena where Cal fought um, yes. Golovkin I think I was away that week um, I was at the Olympics I think or the Paralympics um, and and um, look they both got big paydays but it really affected they both got badly stopped or, and, and Cal obviously had the, the orbital socket broken um, but exposed a few things about Golovkin but against Errol Spence I think not only did, did he go away Kel and have to shed weight um, which he did brilliantly um, he, wa- he, he was not capable of making welterweight anymore he's got too big he's very hench mm. he's always been very muscular and I think in that fight Adam I think he ran up against a guy in Errol Spence who is going to be very close to the top of the pound for pound list within 24 months for me within the end of, by the end of 2019 because as you say Keith Thurman against Errol Spence is one of the fights I'd really like to see in 2018 but Errol Spence he's slick people have talked about him schooling Mayweather even inspiring. That's what the talk was behind the scenes. And he showed it against Kelbrook. He's very smart. He's very hard. He brought all his family with him. His little girls are running around at the press conference afterwards. He's as cool as a cucumber, that kid. Um, and you I could really tell on the like ring him. walk, couldn't you? You could tell on the ring walk. I mean, he's walked into a stadium fight at Bramall Lane. Yeah. Wasn't bothered. No, he not was bothered. Ice. He's got the skills to pay the bills, baby. Mm. And it's as simple as that. Mm. How delighted were you for you on the same night? On the same night. How many times have we been to the well with George Groves? I thought that he might might do it on a separate occasion against Badu Jacques. He didn't really turn up on that night, if we're honest. Uh, I'm delighted for him because he was tested against Feder. Feder wasn't going anywhere, was he? He was chuck- There was some serious bombs coming coming back. 
but he got the job done fourth time of asking and became world champion. Again, George is someone who I've known since he was 10, believe it or not. Mm. And, um, you know, but going back to the Dale Youth Amateur Boxing Club, um, and of course, uh, worth me mentioning at this point, James DeGale and George Groves, of course, um, were at a boxing club in the Grenfell Tower and, been, and both been very supportive of that this year. And I congratulate them on that and speaking out about that because um, there's going to be a lot of uh, residue and mental health issues for all the people badly affected by that this year, which is one of the great tragedies of the year. But George... You know, I was there the night he lost to Badu Jack on the undercard of Floyd Mayweather and Andre Berto, if I remember rightly. Badu Jack has been a thorn for British boxers for a long time now. Um, we saw that against James DeGale, as we mentioned earlier in the year, when he fought to a draw and he knocked James DeGale's two front teeth out of the bridge and gave him a real horrific night. We saw it on that Vegas fight on that night where Badu Jack couldn't miss with the right hand countering against George. And George was so upset, you know, he couldn't come and face the media afterwards. He, he fled. And I mean that in a nice way. He didn't flee in a, in a cowardly way, but he just was so upset. Even in this fight against Fedor Chudinov, Adam, um, I, I was watching uh, George's big jabs coming in. He had to impose himself early, early against a guy in Chudinov who's got a head like a giant turnip, frankly. <laughs> you know, that kind of really hard, round, rock-solid Eastern European head that you fear. You know you can hit them with everything, and it just bounces off like they're zombies. Anyway, his punches were bouncing off Fedor Chudinov's head early on in that fight, like wasps in a windscreen on the M1. And you thought, oh, my God, Chudinov sat about him. He looked like he was going to dominate the fight. And then something came out of George. I think it was the sixth round, yep. if, if my memory serves me correctly. And George just put together the barrage from hell. And it was lovely to be with George afterwards because he's become a father. I really like Mrs. Groves. She's lovely. George has went through those two massive fights with, with Carl Froch where it didn't go his way. Mm -hmm. And yet he... And, and he, you know, we... Carl Froch is one of the one of the modern greats of of super middleweight boxing and one of the modern greats of British boxing, and George, the relief on George that night, the relief from him in the press conference afterwards was palpable. He became so likable off the back of it. I mean, I admire him as a fighter and what he does inside the ring, but I think for a lot of fight fans, he, he's been very difficult to maybe gravitate towards because we saw the Rubik's Cube thing and we've seen various bits with Carl down the years and just the way that there's a, there's a gap between him, the media and the fans I've, I've felt over a period of time. As you rightly, the word that you used there was relief. There was a weight lifted off his shoulders, he became champ and his post-fight interview, I just thought to myself, Where's that guy been? Where has that yeah, guy yeah, yeah. been no, was, down the years? It, it was so nice the, to see. A weight had lifted. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and George, George is into writing comedy. He's, um, he's fascinated with aliens. He's a really interesting man, you know. He's very quirky, George, and very, very bright, I hasten to mm. add. And I've always really enjoyed him. And I think because of the tension he felt in himself, because of the mental anguish, he knew he was good enough to win a world title. And against Chudinov, he took that moment in that sixth round and he really proved it. And, it. and the crowd really loved it, if you remember that night as well. It really lit up the crowd before Spence against Brooke. No, it did. It was an absolutely epic night at uh, Bramall Lane. We weren't disappointed. We haven't been disappointed with quite a lot of the shows uh, that have happened this year, of which we're going to carry on talking about. The highlight for me, though, was waking up the night after Canelo Chavez Jr., the Battle of Mexico. Obviously, Canelo boxed his ears off. Chavez didn't really turn up. Nobody really talked about that fight. They talked about the picture afterwards, didn't I, they? Between I wrote, him and Triple G. I wrote two, exactly. I wrote two paragraphs in the paper on that fight because it was so obvious that Chavez was not going to be anywhere near the level of Canelo. He is a real terror, and Chavez has 
never looked good enough. That's why they were lining Carl Froch to have his departure fight against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. You know, this is the son of the six-time world champion, mm. one of the Mexican legends. 130,000 people in the Azteca Stadium watched this guy a couple of occasions fighting. He was an, he is a national Legend. treasure, a national treasure. Mm. And... Uh, you know, Chavez just—he just didn't have it in him. Canelo's just too good for him. Simple as that. But like you say, suddenly the cojones, if I can use the Spanish, were out. The gonads were out. <laughs> All the gonads were out in the ring that night. The two boys were showing their balls, there were and we knew the fight. Testosterone everywhere. Yeah. All over the ring it was. And September was the date <laughs> where it was set. I apologise for saying that as you were drinking a cup of tea. And um, with that in mind, uh, we'll take. You a nearly li- got sprayed then. <laughs> <laughs> with Cojones there you go uh, we're going to move on because coming up next it's July and August this is downtime before we hit September the end of the season coming next on Fight Night's Review of the Year you listen to Talk Sport Fight Night Review of the Year on Talk Sport Still looking a little unsure about what he wants to do offensively. Then you can handle those bad punches if you're caught from two different ways. We need to, or just want to, switch our careers and get ourselves ready for the next chapter and chart a new course toward fresh challenges. Obviously, I'm not an exception to this. And now is my turn. Epic time in July and August. Living legend Manny Pacquiao got rolled over down under by underdog Jeff Horn in front of 51,000 fans in Brisbane. After a heated build-up, Josh Taylor blitzed O'Hara Davis. Hiroto Kayaguchi set a new Japanese record, becoming a world champion 15 months after he turned pro. Mikey Garcia moved up in weight and unanimously outscored Adrian Broner. August saw several legends calling it a day. You just heard from Vladimir Klitschko, Juan Manuel Marquez, Tim Bradley and Shane Mosley were also amongst them. Carl Frampton split with the McGuigans. Miguel Cotto became world champion for the sixth time and Badu Jack blasted Nathan Cleverly into retirement. Terence Crawford became the first man since 2005 to be classed as the undisputed champion of the world in any weight, uh, unifying the super lightweight division, knocking out Julius Ndongo. However, this period must belong to the circus that was Mayweather McGregor. The two pound-for-pound giants from different sports stopped the world for a brief moment in one of the highest-grossing bouts of all time. We're going to have to start with the circus, aren't we? We have yeah, to start Yeah, definitely. There. No, definitely. And, and <laughs> I, I, I tell you, I spent virtually the whole of that month. I mean, some amazing news you 
you know that you recall from that month or those uh, those two months, Adam. But I know I spent three weeks in Las Vegas doing the build up to I that fight. It. Holiday, enjoying yourself, yeah, waiting yeah, sunshine. Well, I do, but <laughs> for about two hours a day, I condense my tequila binges and gambling and all the other stuff that you do when you're in Vegas that stays there. Um, the best stuff that you never write about. Mm. Um, but the you know, but the, the thing was, it was such an amazing build up because there was such debate from two different worlds. two sets two of friends worlds. exactly and um and and you know and these are the two the two greatest salesmen of a fight i think i've ever seen maybe bar nazim hamid because i think if he'd been around today he you know with stop social it. media stop it now no it would have been it would have no, been no. amazing he'd have had it? 20 million followers it would have been amazing he, no, no i mean cuz i've spoken to naz about this and he's always said to me that Conor McGregor really reminds me of me. Of me. He reminds me of no one but me. That's a really good impression. It's really awful. No, it's really good. Is that Sheffield? That's is that it. all right? No, is, it, is that all right? Is no, it? no, it's Naz. Is it like Crush Call? Hey, people listen Do I talk like Crush Call? People listening to the show right now think Naz is on the show. Yeah, We've got an exclusive. I wish. I, well, I've tried to get hold of Naz because I tell you, one of the things is, obviously, last week was 20 years since he fought Kevin Kelly. One of my favourite fights of all time. Um, and, um, you know, Naz down three times, Kelly down oh. four times. And, and it was the fight on, that announced Naz on HBO. I think, you know, as I said, digressing, If he was the one guy who could sell a fight like these two. And, you know, it was. I, I went on the world tour. I went to the LA part of the tour with Mayweather and McGregor. I went to Wembley at the end mm. of it. It was... It was quite incredible, Adam, and I think, and I was lucky enough to be walk, working for William Hill as well as the Telegraph and Talk Sport in the week. Okay. And I was in the training camp of mm. McGregor, going to the tra- the trainer's house every day. I was with Artem Lobov and Coach Roddy and John Kavanagh every morning doing a Facebook live. You went with Polly Malinaji, were you? No, but, I, <laughs> but, but I, I, I've sat at craps tables and and and, um, and uh, blackjack tables with with Paulie before, and, and he's still vexed, you know. He went in. He pretended he was spying for Mayweather. He, he 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 basically was looking to get in on a big fight and have a big payday. I like Paulie very much. He's one of the greatest commentators out there. I think on on the sport, he really translates it well to us as a man who's you know fought with a broken jaw with Cotto for five rounds, all this kind of stuff. He's a brilliant fighter. He fought Amir Khan, he fought Ricky Hatton, we know him, we know him well, he works on, on, on commentary of course, but the thing is, the biggest takeaway for me from that fight, and as figures have been released late in this year, yep. you know, it's made, it grossed about 600 million uh, US dollars, um, you know, it, it, it will probably, when all the numbers are finally in, do have done about 6 million, I think it did 4.4 million pay-per-views in the just, United States. It, yeah, it's just shy of the Mayor Me Pacquiao. Yeah, 30, it's, 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 30, 30 to 70 million short of Mayweather versus Pacquiao. Um, Money-wise. Money-wise, money wise, yes. Yeah. Um, but still extraordinary. Oh, it yeah. captured public imagination. On, on Just at the Telegraph alone, um, it did more numbers online. It did. We did over 40 million views with our coverage in Fight Week on the Telegraph site. You know, a lot more than the general election um, and more than Mayweather and Pacquiao when they fought. And it just shows... The global reach of mixed martial arts online it's now. The Conor the, McGregor effect, I think. Yeah, it is the Conor McGregor effect. And you know what? For those first three rounds, he was schooling Mayweather, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> how many times have I heard that? I'm not getting how many, involved. How many I'm times, not getting involved. How in many this times have I? I'm, I obviously, I don't think that. I've heard that quite a few times. Everybody um, listening to this show now, maybe driving a car or a truck, has <laughs> just, just swerved. Uh, yeah. They just swerved no, listening I mean, to the show. Well, I, I tell you, for the first three minutes, sitting there ringside. 
um, and that, that fight, for the first three minutes, there was this weird feeling, not realising that, that um, Floyd... Because Floyd is slowed, there's no question about it. He's 40 years old, he's not what he was. Um, for the first three minutes, it was almost like, oh my God, he's lost everything, he hasn't done any training. But then as the second round wore on, the third, you could just see he was having a really good look at McGregor. Because you're scoring it, 10-9 McGregor, 10-9 McGregor, 10-9 McGregor for the first three rounds. And I was scoring with Darren Barker, and I can't remember who else was doing it with me that night. You yeah, it was a guy from the Ring magazine, uh, Mike Coppinger, and our scores were appearing on the live reports on the Telegraph site. And um, come the fourth round then, Mayweather, look, Mayweather put a $400,000 bet on himself winning in the 10th round and finished the fight within 30 seconds of it. It just shows you what a master he is. <laughs> And you can't bet on yourself in other places, but you can in, 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 Vegas. in Las Vegas. It was a brilliant night. It was a brilliant event. I thoroughly enjoyed it. No, I'm not a purist. Um, uh, in the course of time, you know, as I said at the time, if David fought Goliath today, it'd be on pay-per-view, and it would be the biggest selling fight on earth, mm. you know? Mm. And that's what happened. I don't think we'll see many more like that, Adam, mm. in the, of that nature, because it was just the coming together of a guy who is a shooting star in mixed martial arts. Um, and I and I do, I must say, since then, I, I do want to say this. I really want to see, in, late in the year, we saw some shots of Conor back in the gym, and he's been in party central mode since that fight you know he might have earned 200 million US dollars or whatever it is 100 million pounds reportedly or euros but I want him back in the gym I want him back in the ring I want him back in the octagon whatever it's going to be because Connor got there by delighting us with his skills and his confidence and being involved in fight sports not not sitting beside Rita Ora and, or at the MOBO Awards I kind of like sitting next to Rita Ora I'll be, yeah, I'll be up for a little bit of that but, but you know it, what I mean I is mean. he, he exactly delights I mean. us because of this mm. movement he has mm. and this, this confidence and this skill. One man that I don't want to see and, and this is going to sound harsh because he's an absolute living <laughs> legend, multi-weight world champion I'd rather him concentrate on his political career. It is Manny Pacquiao I think it's time for him to call it a day How, uh, and we saw this in this particular fight. Um, obviously much debate, there'll be people listening to this right now saying he got robbed down in Brisbane but at the end of the day he was beaten by Jeff Warren, he lost his world title and I think that's it now for me. I don't know where you're at with it well, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Pacquiao. I know file, you're a big Pacquiao. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm in Manny the movie for God's sake. I'm in Manny. The, can you believe it? I'm in Manny the movie with with Liam Neeson, with uh, with Mark Wahlberg, with all these guys. Your, your Naz impression is better than that. No, I know they were they were awful, <laughs> and they with Freddie Roach. Um, but listen, I, I spent a long time around Manny, and I've felt very inspired um, by him. And there's 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 two boxers who've really inspired me personally in my life. Um, Muhammad Ali and, and Manny Pacquiao because of their stories and what they've achieved in society. You know, Manny Manny's a caveman, really, but he's a caveman senator now, and he's an extraordinary man. He's lovely to be around. I've been gifted with lots of time with him over the years, Adam, and thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I've got I've got 50 million followers in the Philippines, for God's sake. <laughs> if, if only I could make a penny for every Twitter follower I've got in the Philippines. No, I think all my followers are from the Philippines. But no, I've really enjoyed him, but I I think you're right and that horn fight you know we saw against Gary Corcoran later in the later in the year that horn is 
Horn's a dangerous brawler. Yeah. And he was a young man bullying his way through an old champion who couldn't hold him off anymore. It happens. And, and it pe- happens. people screamed robbery. It does. People screamed robbery. But he deserved a victory against um, Manny. Against Manny. Yeah, he, yeah, I agree. You know, he, he bulled him out of it. Yeah. Mm. I agree. Uh, just finally, for this section, we saw a little bit of history in this particular month where Terence Crawford became the first undisputed champion, male champion, that is, uh, in any weight category since 2005. It's very rare. And this is politics, let's be honest. It's very rare. I think the fighters would want to do it, but it's very rare because of politics that we get all the belts all on the line at the same time. It's only ever happened, I think, once before with Jermaine Taylor, where all four belts, because obviously previously we've had three belts, we've had two belts, we've had one belt. Uh, but fair play. Terence Crawford, for you, the pound-for-pound pound best, or would you still go with Lomachenko, or would you go with someone else? Because no, it's his achievement. No, no, it's Golovkin. His achievement, moment. though. Terence Crawford no, was no, sensational. No, no, Terence Crawford, Errol Spence, Vasyl Lomachenko will battle it out to be the top three in the next two or three years, because Gennady Golovkin won't be around much longer. But he he's the number one for me, because he beat Canelo uh, in that first fight, even though it was a draw, which we'll come on to, I know. But the no, um, Errol Spence is brilliant, but Terence Crawford. Wow, he's unreal, and he, he's moving up to the welterweight, so we might get him in there with Errol Spence. No, that they will fight. That will be again. That will be one of the super fights, probably of late 2018, early 2019. So, it's a major, cool major, your major fight. Cool your jets, cool your jets, check your pants, cool your Right, because I'm, the reason why I'm saying cool your jets because at the end of the show you're going to make some predictions for the fights that you want to see in 2018, and you've already given us one there. Crawford against Spence Junior. That'll be something, wouldn't it? That <sighs> Unbelievable. That will be something. Um, now we're getting a little bit excited let's be honest we've had a great eight months so far that we've just reviewed we're going to get stuck into september september was the one we all wanted to see canelo triple g they were going toe to toe we're going to get stuck into it next this is our 2017 review of the year you're listening to fight night on talk sport on dav digital radio and 1089 and 1053 a.m fight night review of the year with adam catterall and gareth a davis on talk sport you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. This is our review of 2017 with me, Adam Catterall, and Gareth A. Davis. If you've only just tuned in, don't worry, this will be available as a podcast. But you've already missed an hour. We're up to September. So let's not mess about. Let's get stuck straight in. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, we go to the scorecards after 12 rounds of boxing. Adelaide Bird scores it. 118 to 110 for Canelo. Whoa! Dave Moretti Whoa. scores it. 115, 113 for Triple G. And Don Trella scores it. 114, 114. A three-way split. This is officially a, a draw. draw. Referee Mark Goddard steps in, puts a halt to the bout. Your winner by TKO victory and still unbeaten. The pride of Liverpool, England. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I believe I'm the best fighter alive. I say it time and time again, and I believe it. Tagliu just drops inside. It's Joshua and Lowe. Good red uppercut. And Carlos Takam is rubbing in front of Anthony Joshua. And Carlos Takam intelligently turns it man up and takes another right hand. And then Carlos Takam was wobbling, and perhaps he was. Joshua hitting him with solid right hands. Referee Phil Edwards has intervened, seen enough, and waved off the contest. Now then, after the circus of weeks before, the real boxing superfight ended in a controversial draw between Triple G and Canelo. However, controversy creates cash. We're hopefully going to see it again in 2018. September saw the start of the World Boxing Super Series. Luke Campbell proved he belongs at world level, losing a split decision to Jorge Linares. Joseph Parker beat Huey Fury in a clash that failed to catch fire. Eubank Jr. and Grove set up a mouth-watering semi-final in the World Boxing Super Series after both impressively coming through their respective quarter-finals. In the Battle of Britain, Anthony Crawler defeated three-weight world champion Ricky Burns to keep himself relevant in the lightweight division. Ryan Burnett created history unifying the bantamweight division in front of his home fans in Belfast. In the world of UFC, Darren Till, remember the name, announced himself to the world by knocking out legend Cowboy Cerrone in Gdansk, Poland. My prospect of the year on fellow namesake, I've got to get this in, Jack Catterall became British champion, defeating Tyron Nurse. Uh, uh, but the month, once again, belonged to AJ, without an opponent that the average man on the street would recognise. He still managed to sell 78,000 tickets at the Principality in Cardiff. A change of opponent later in the heavyweight champ grinded his way through Carlos Takam to set up an exciting 2018. We're not starting with AJ this time, mate. We did that with Klitschko. We're going to go to the Canelo Triple G. I thought we were going to go to Jack Catterall. Well, well, of course. We're going to... Are you finished. related? We're finished. Listen, me and the Chorlick charge you, right? We're going we're gonna, <laughs> to... We are El Gato. We are going to finish on him without any shadow of a doubt, my friend. Uh, but Triple G uh, and Canelo really stole it for me. And it's a shame because so many times this year we've had these super fights and we seem to talk about judging. Mm. Why are we doing it again? Well, well we're going to do it again. It's going to be a more lucrative fight. Cinco de Mayo in 2018, the big night of the year, the Mexican holiday. There's two of them, September and uh, and May are the big nights when pay-per-view happens in America. They're, they're, they're traditionally the biggest. Floyd Mayweather um, usurped them for the last 10 years. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they'll fight again. Cinco de Mayo, 5th of May. Um, it hasn't been signed yet, Adam. But, you know, the, the, the thing is... This was so exciting. I really, really enjoyed this fight so much, and I was writing live on it at the time on a live blog. But I, I've, 
I felt so much adrenaline during the fight, and you can tell. I mean, that everything was so high level about the fight. Canelo's game plan was so clever. He fought in bursts. He he moved around the ring. He didn't stand toe to toe. He really felt Golovkin's power early on in the fight. You know, after three or four rounds, decided he needed to get on his bike a little bit, but fought back in bursts. The movement was brilliant. It was just, it was thrilling from first to last. And how do you score that one eighteen, one ten in his? You don't. You don't. It's 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 utter utter incompetence and Adelaide Bird who was the judge who did that whose husband Robert Bird is is a referee yep. um, she should have been removed by Rob, Bobbert, Rob Bennett Bob Bennett the, the, the executive uh, director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission we took him to task afterwards he defended her as he defends all his officials he says we will have a review of it but they do they're suspended for a while and then they come back she is incompetent as a judging referee there is no way it one just to explain to the listeners, one hundred and eighteen to one hundred and ten mm. means that she saw it ten rounds to two to Can- to Canelo, and Canelo. and yeah, you could give him five rounds in that fight. You could I give think him I did. five rounds. I think I yeah. scored it seven five. Yeah, if you could seven five or eight four was very reasonable. Seven rounds to five or eight rounds to four for for Golovkin was reasonable. Yep. But a, a significant thing happened in that fight. Of course, on the cards it was a draw. Everybody knows Golovkin won that fight. It wasn't fixed. It, it was just incompetence. Um, in the tenth round. Golovkin, who I think is seven or eight years older mm-hmm. than um, Canelo, um, he was spun around by by a hand, by a right hand, I think it was a right left hand combination in the tenth round, and just buckled for a moment. And my feeling is that that moment in that first fight just gives Canelo the knowledge that this older guy is slightly on the wane. I mentioned the Danny Jacobs Golovkin fight earlier in the year. Yep. There were signs that. Age is just catching up with Golovkin. This is a guy that, who, age 10, used to fight with men, remember? His brothers used to take him out in the street to fight with men. Fight with Fight him. B- fight him. Fight that bear. Yeah, back in Kazakhstan. <laughs> fight Exactly. Fight that bear. Exactly. Bears <laughs> run away. You, you read my story. I've read that. I've yeah. read it. Uh, um, uh, brown big, bear ran away from him. Big bear, yeah. In Big Bear uh, training yeah. camp, yeah. Revealed Abel Sanchez, his trainer. <laughs> One of my worst intros of the year. Um, but the, um, <laughs> but, the, but the, the thing is, I do genuinely feel the younger... It, that fight will have taken a lot out of Golovkin. Mm. It was brilliant, but my feeling is when May the 5th comes around next year, he just won't have enough Golovkin. And Canelo knows he can go 12 rounds with this guy. He knows he can take his punches. It was brilliant. I mean, I mean, I mean how much did... I mean, you're asking all the questions tonight. Let me get your view. How I much did it. you enjoy that I loved fight? it. I think we're going to talk um, a little later on in the show about um, those super fights for the boxing purists that kind of let us down. Mm. Lomachenko, Rigondeau, mm. later on in the, in the mm. show. Mm. This was one of those where we wanted it for such a long period of time. We finally got it, and it lived up to expectation for me. It had everything for me, bar a, a definitive finish or a, or a knockdown or anything like that. It, it just had everything. From, from a boxing fan's point of view, I was on the edge of my seat all the way through it because I thought at any point it could go. It didn't, and it sets up something beautiful for 2018, of course. And I personally scored it 115-113 in, in Triple G's favour. So when the first card gets read out at 118-110... My heart sinks a little bit. I love this sport. Mm. I want more people to come and love this sport. Mm. We do this show on a Saturday night to mm. encourage people to go, yeah. hey, I'm listening to these guys. They're, they're a bit enthusiastic about this fight game. I might tune into something this weekend and have a little bit of a nosy. It's very hard for me and you to sit here and then and defend this sport that we love when, in a way, people will look at that and go, it's corrupt. How, 
how can anybody see that? Even the the layman on the street, the person that doesn't really know much about boxing, can say, "Well, that guy didn't win ten rounds in that fight." Yeah, That's yeah, ridiculous. But, but, but the thing is, Adam, that you know, judging is an inexact science, is subjective, and there are always controversial decisions. And unfortunately, someone can batter someone else for five rounds and completely dominate five rounds and not knock them down. Someone can win seven rounds by a slither yeah. and they can still take the decision. It doesn't look like they've won over the generality of the fight. Scoring is not easy in boxing, but the problem is there's no better system and it will all be, always be subjective. That's why we have three judges. Maybe we should have five, I don't know, to get rid of the Adelaide birds of this world. But that's what needs to be done. I... I, I, I after that fight, I wrote a piece, um, and I'm, I'm really trying to push with the sanctioning bodies that the top 20 referees in the world should do all the big fights, mm. and that they should be on a ranking system themselves. Yeah, good so idea. that when when those the, the the most prevalent fights, the fights watched by the most people, should be judged by the best judges in the world. No, I'd agree with that absolutely. Um, October, by the way, was a tremendous time to be a part of Talksport because that's the time that we took over boxing in uh, in Britain uh, with our live commentaries. We're up in. Manchester for the Battle of Britain between Crawler and Burns. Extremely enjoyable night. We've we been went, pillaging ever since. We have, haven't we? We <laughs> went over to Belfast for a bit of Ryan Burnett, who created history that night, obviously becoming a unified bantamweight champion. Yep. Fantastic performance from him. And then, obviously, we went to Cardiff. You were there with me in Cardiff, enjoying the atmosphere. The atmosphere with the roof on in the Principality was something else, wasn't it? Well, it is. I mean, the stadium fights are extraordinary, and so is this journey that we're, we're, we're following with, with Anthony Joshua. I mean, you know, I've been out to see Kubrick Pulev in Berlin um, just before um, he was announced as not being fit to fight and uh, he was going to wear his Welsh rugby shirt he's a big rugby <laughs> Hang fan. Hang on, you encouraged him to do that? I did, I did I did. of course I did. <laughs> this will get you a few fans son, yeah, put yeah, the Welsh yeah, rugby, rugby top shirt on, on. <laughs> yeah, no he's a big rugby fan, I said put it on it's the national stadium for Wales, it's the rugby stadium anyway, um, what was fantastic that night I think was it just showed it's the Joshua show. People want to come and see him perform. Different sets of fan, do you not think? Yeah, absolutely, it is. It, but people want to say, I was there yeah, when. Yeah. And we saw that with Anthony Joshua in Fight Week, where people are handing their babies down to him to get blessed, to be to have the benediction of, of the great to man. To get the selfie. And it was to yeah. get the selfie. And it's almost, you know, it's like if Muhammad Ali had been around today, everyone in the world would have wanted a selfie with him. And it's like, you know, talk to George Foreman and Larry Holmes and all these guys and Frazier and when he was alive. People would step over them, even if they beat Ali, just to get to Ali. That's all they wanted. They they, they didn't want them because they were heavyweight champion of the world now because they beat him or whatever, and Foreman mm. didn't, but Ali, but Frazier did. They just wanted to touch Ali. And Joshua has that Ali effect about him now. No, he does. And he's British, and we should enjoy that, and we should absolutely be milking the living daylights out of it. If you get the opportunity to go to one of his fights, go to one of his fights. We are hearing rumours, March, April, Joseph Parker... Back in Cardiff. That's what we're hearing. So if the, when when then tickets go on sale, get in the queue and get a ticket because you will definitely enjoy uh, an Anthony Joshua event, of which you'll be able to be live and exclusive on TalkSport. A little bit of a company plug there. You know how this works. <laughs> uh, we've still got quite a bit to get through in our review of the year. Uh, two more months. We're also going to be going through fights of the year, knockouts of the year, fights of the year, and prospects for 2018. Hope you're enjoying it so far. It will be available as a podcast, uh, of which we will put the link on our social media sites. All right? You are listening to TalkSport. This is Fight Night. Review of 2017. Fight Night Review of the Year on Talk Sport.
contest. Truax to his knees. He thinks he's the new champion. From Rigondo. Oh, a little bit of a wobble in the leg there from Rigondo. Yeah, was that a, was that just a stumble because he was holding him? Lomachenko's onto him like a flash. I think he's finished. Oh no, no. He's out, no. no. He's out. The corner pulled him out. Well, for whatever reason, it looks like Lomachenko has made another opponent. Didn't I say didn't I say feeling sorry for himself? Accompanied by some wonderful festive music for you. Uh, Deontay Wilder baptised Bermain's Verne within a round to send a message across the Atlantic. Uh, Carl Frampton made hard work of Horatio Garcia uh, on his homecoming. As Zelani Tete stole the show on the undercard with a one-punch knockout. Liam Smith beat Liam Williams by majority decision in their rematch, whilst Josh Taylor finished off a very impressive year by stopping Miguel Vasquez. Fairy tales only happen in the movies, not in the ring, as Miguel Cotto found out losing his world title to Saddam Ali on his final ever fight. However, those fairy tales do happen in the octagon as GSP return after a four-year absence to become the middleweight champion, defeating our very own Michael Bispin in the third round. Guillermo Rigondeau left a sour taste in the mouth as he quit on his stool uh, with a bruised hand against my own personal pound-for-pound best boxer, uh, Vasil Lomachenko. Hours earlier, James DeGale's nightmare year got a whole lot worse as Caleb Truex became the, uh, came to the copper box and bullied the IBF world title off in front. Francisco Vargas beat Stephen Smith at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas in a fight that will be remembered for the state of Swifty's ear, a photo that went viral. It was horrendous, let's be honest, that photo, wasn't it? I mean, fair play to Swifty for cracking on, and he wanted to crack on on the same night that we saw Guillermo Rigondeau quit on his stool. That's probably the major disappointment of 2017, would you say, Gareth? We got the super fight, two of the very best, two Olympic double gold medalists going toe-to-toe in New York, and one of them didn't fancy it. Yeah, this was a very, very odd night. But you know what? The writing was on the wall for me, Adam. I mean, it's been on the right. The writing's been on the wall about Rigondo for quite a long time. That you've been hypercritical of him. Let's be honest. Well, you? Well, no, but I've found him really. I've never found uh, 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 someone in fight sports who I haven't been able to crack in a way that some of them don't like me. You know, I'm, I'm, some people are very difficult. But he is of all the fighters I've ever tried to interview or ask questions of. And I think I am quite aware when I do it, and, and you know, I'm happy to make a fool of myself sometimes or ask a deeper question, and he just does not respond to anything. And I think he has an attitude problem, mm. and I think he's always had an attitude problem. And I think we talked about Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather being the arch-brilliant promoters. He's the opposite. Mm. After I did a conference call leading into the Loma-Rigo fight, um, like about 10 days before that New York fight in, in December... I complained this month, sorry, it was this, this month. Um, I complained to Bob Arum, uh, to Fred Sternberg, his PR guy, and a couple of the other journalists. Well, you did it live on our fight night show, I did, didn't I mentioned you? it, did I? Yeah. yeah. Um, I could not believe his attitude to questions. He did not want to answer questions. Um, and 
I think there's. I think we saw that in the fight. Mm. He wants his own way. Um, he, he he complains that he d- isn't given publicity. If you remember, he didn't turn up to fight um, Jazza Dickens here at one point. I think it was Jazza Dickens he was due yeah, to fight. Yeah, it was all about his medical records, uh, no, last-minute stuff and all this get his nonsense. his visa from Russia yeah. and all this stuff. Just, he does what he wants. You know, um... You know, the, the, I think he's got problems behind the scenes, um, and he just showed in this fight. I mean, look, Lomachenko anyway, this was a historic moment with two former double Olympic champions for the first time meeting in a world title fight. It was really given the, the you know, the fire was lit underneath it. It was a purist fight. It wasn't one like that drew the mainstream fans in, but people like us were really excited about it. I always thought Lomachenko would school him because he's a much bigger man. Mm. And Lomachenko is the kind of guy that latches onto you, squeezes the life out of you, sucks you dry. Embarrasses you. And embarrasses you. And you know what? Rigondo couldn't take it. Six, it wasn't his hand that was trot. Right. It wasn't his hand that was Yeah, on the square on the stool. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, is it six on the trot yeah, now? Yeah. I thought it was five. Yeah. Well, thing is about Rigondo, his hand wasn't damaged, his heart was. Absolutely. And that's what Loma did to him. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, one person that definitely has won our hearts. Miguel Cotto. We have to give him a little mention. I mean, he's called it a day. I mentioned in that little excerpt as we came off the break there that fairy tales don't happen in the ring, sadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd say something. He's given us some fairy tales down the years, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, four yes. different weights, six world titles. Sensational. The greatest, probably the greatest Puerto Rican boxer ever. I mean, you know, no uh, question, there are yeah. some great ones, you know. I think um, Wilfredo Gomez and others, you know. Um, but Benitez, sorry. Uh, Gomez or Benitez I've got my, my, my Gomez's and my Benitez mixed up there um, <laughs> but the, the, there are some there have been some great Puerto Ricans um, and I think you know he probably stands out it's certainly in the modern era I mean he's one of the great great fighters um, and he is for me key in that he fought everybody he never avoided anyone he fought everyone out there he fought who's who of the modern great fighters he's a nailed down Hall of Famer and for me He's the only man. He's Cotto in the pink clogs for me because mm. he wears his pink clogs around <laughs> in Vegas, and and he's just he's just such an outstanding man. And you know, like you say, Father Time is unforgiving uh, in all sports, but in boxing, he really didn't. He really looked like a shadow of himself against Saddam Ali, who even two or three years ago wouldn't have been fit to lace Cotto's boots mm. or his. Or his pink clogs. Or his pink clogs, yeah. yeah. Uh, and what you've just said there kind of leads me on nicely to the situation that's surrounding James DeGale. Started the year in an absolute war with Badu Jack, and he bookends the year with real disappointment. Terrible year for him. That length of time out with injury. The fight against Truax, you were ringside. I was doing the show, and I was speaking to you, and you. Uh, you I think you used the words that he looked like a shadow of himself. Yeah, he did. He, he was he was a ghost trying to find himself, and, and it was a very hollow, very fat, flat performance, Adam, and he, it, nothing worked. He, he you know, he, was, he could only hold the centre of the ring for 30 seconds at a time. He couldn't command anything, couldn't let his hands go. He sat back on the ropes trying counter, but Tr- Caleb Truex was, Truex was all over him. Only with quite simple, if I'm honest, you know, one-twos, um, you know, jab, right hand, jab, right hand. If Truex was a heavy puncher, DeGale would have gone in the fifth round. He was in so much trouble. He got hit by a couple of uppercuts. There's only one way back for, for him is to have one more fight. If Al Heyman, who, who manages them both, can get him the rematch next year, I think Truex is likely to come here um, because, you know, he'll earn more money for defending overseas here. Um, DeGale's been such a great champion, um, but think, you know, he's, he's had a lot of, a lot of hard fights. Um, the, the fight with Badu Jack was really tough earlier in the year. He's been on the road a lot, you know, um, and, you know, he's been a boxer for a very long time. For me, 
He has one more fight, see if he's got it, and then it's probably call it a day. And even if he hasn't, even if he still has got it and he wins that belt back, walk away. He's got nothing to prove. He's the only British boxer ever to win uh, the first one. Anthony Joshua's done it since. Yeah. But he was the first British boxer to an Olympic gold and a world title in the pro ranks. Just a mild crossover to the UFC now, my yeah, friend, yeah, because yeah. GSP were big fans of. He's done everything in the welterweight division. He didn't have to come back to cement any type of legacy, but he fancied it, and he fancied it against our mate Michael Bispin. It didn't necessarily go well for Bisping on that particular night and two weeks later against Kelvin Gastelum less said about that the better but let's celebrate GSP what an unbelievable athlete stepping up in weight he's now a champ champ as they call this in the world of UFC sadly he's ill at the moment so he's had to relinquish that belt but the UFC need big pay-per-view stars. He could be their saving grace in 2018, couldn't he? Yeah, if he can get over the diverticulitis, isn't it? Horrible. It's yeah. a horrible thing. If you're Have eating you right... It? No, no, no. We're not going to talk about it. I just wonder, wonder what that rumbling was. <laughs> it's absolutely horrendous. So we're not going to mention the ins and outs, yeah. so to speak, yeah. of that particular yeah. illness. Uh, but... Great to have him back, and they need him back. It, it was again. We talk about um, promotional stuff. This was this was the perfect promotion. Bisping was the ideal opponent, Absolutely. for GSP to come back. He's a bigger man now. He's been away four years, and he was brilliant against Bisping on that night when the three titles changed hands at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, Joanna Yandrechik lost um, her title to Rose Namajunas, and I can't even remember what the other one was on that night. Uh, well, TJ beat. Um, oh, TJ Dillashaw got the title. Uh, what beat um, uh, Cody Garbrandt to get the uh, bantamweight title? of course yeah um, I had him beating uh, Dominic Cruz before that anyway so um, even though the judges didn't um, yeah it was it was a great night for GSP um, and also yeah he will come back and I think he will have a fight um, but again again a master stroke he wins the title he relinquishes and uh, it leaves it open for all these guys Rolt Whitaker, Yoel Romero Luke Rockhold Chris Weidman Luke mm. Rockhold to all fight for it you know, it, you know it's been a weird year for the UFC a very um, weird year their biggest start Holly, um, Holly Holm and uh, Christian Cyborg Santos are going to finish off the year uh, with a big event in Vegas as they always do but really this year Ronda Rousey's kind of done well, um, you analyse 24 if you, 12 months ago you had Ronda at the end of the year which was obviously huge her comeback mm, yes she got beat mm, but then you had uh, a month before it you had Connor at Madison Square Garden doing what he did becoming the Teddy champ, champ. Yeah. 20, 2016 was outrageous for the UFC mm, so mm, we expected big things 2017 with a new takeover mm, the new owners and all those mm, types of things mm. It hasn't quite lived up. The back end of the year has got good. There's a few things in the back end of the year that you think to yourself, okay, there's a lot to look forward to there. But at the start of the year, it was a very slow start, yeah, I but thought. Also, yeah, but also, um, naturally, their, their, their biggest stars, or biggest pay-per-view stars, their biggest kind of cash cows uh, in the year were, were absent, and that was yeah. Conor McGregor. And because, Ronda. And Ronda, because yeah. they, they were both out for the whole year. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, Conor McGregor's, you know, he, he's had one fight in 2017, and it's against a boxer, and it was a deal <laughs> with the UFC. Mm. They they, they would love to for him to have fought two or three times for them because he he earns you know he makes fifty million a fight so you know they got a big mortgage to pay a, a, a WME IMG so you know it's it's a difficult time but they'll always bounce back because there's always stars out there and people develop very quickly in MMA as opposed to boxing they come through a lot slower it's a different process because um, people are, uh, emerge quickly they do something spectacular and they become an overnight sensation there's a lot of overnight sensation 
professionalism in mixed martial arts mm. for me at the moment. Mm, absolutely. Uh, now, we, uh, we've not finished the show yet. We've wrapped up the year, but we've got mm-hmm. quite a lot to get through. Fights of the year, knockouts of the year, upsets of the year, all these types of things we're going to go through over the next half an hour of this show. We apologise if there's been a particular fighter that you're a fan of or maybe a particular event that you're a big fan of that we've not necessarily squeezed into the particular months that you were looking at. Listen, we can only talk for a certain amount of time. Otherwise, our bosses will tell us to shut up. You know how this works. Uh, But if you are listening to this on our podcast, do stick with us because we've got another uh, little special half an hour for you uh, coming up next. This is Fight Night's Review of 2017. Fight Night's Review of the Year with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Uh, if you have only just joined us for Fight Night's review of 2017, uh, where have you been? Uh, but it is available on podcast. Make sure you're following Gareth A. Davis DT and Adam Catterall, all on Twitter. We'll put the link there to our iTunes account, of which you can then download this, subscribe to the podcast, because we're going to carry on this in 2018. Uh, but download this particular show so you can enjoy it whenever you wish over the festive period. Now, the last half an hour of the show is going to be dedicated to a couple of things. Myself and Gareth are going to go through fights of the year, Fighters of the year, knockouts of the year, because we love talking about stuff like that. That's why we're in this sport. That's why we buzz off it. And then in the final section of the show, we're going to make a couple of wild predictions. We're going to maybe look at lads that we think are ones to watch for 2018, some fights that we would like uh, to experience in 2018, and maybe make a wild prediction about maybe someone make, winning a world title that's maybe going to come out of the blue uh, in the final part of the show. Uh, so let's start with a little bit of fight of the year. For me, mate, there is only one. Um, it was the one that captured everybody's imagination. It's the one that ca- it transcended the sport and lived up to the billing. April 29th, Wembley Arena, 90,000 fans. Mums, dads, grandmas, granddads, they were all there, mate. We were there. We enjoyed probably one of the best heavyweight clashes of not just the year, but of all time. I'm going AJ Klitschko as my fight of the year. Where are you at? Yeah, I agree with you to a certain extent. I mean, I, I had an adrenaline dump in the sixth round, I tell you, when Anthony Joshua was knocked down. I mean, in, 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 in my job, in my role as, as the Telegraph's boxing correspondent, and, and, you know, obviously correspondent for talk sport in many ways, there's so much time invested in a guy like Anthony Joshua. You spend so much time around him. He'd knocked Klitschko down. He got knocked down in the sixth round. It was like, oh, no. Is this Frank Bruno? Is this that moment where... It was like a, a pin had dropped. Oh, yeah. 90,000 people they just suddenly... Ex- what's going on here? The, their mouths were open, <laughs> you know. And, and Klitschko's mum was screaming somewhere going, Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, but unfortunately... Uh, unfortunately, rather, he got up and he did the job. And you, you're right, it was... It, it was an incredible. I, I know because when 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 boxing is has crossed over, my editors and I don't mean the newspaper edit, uh, the sports desk editors. Everybody wants a bit of you. They want this. They want that. I remember, as I say, I went sp- spent that Sunday with him with Joshua, and I think I was sitting in a cafe in St John's Wood till way after dark, mm. um, just sitting and writing and doing bits on the radio because everyone wants to know why about this kid, about why who, you know, and he and he has really crossed over. But for me, Adam, I'm going to put my my little. Or go on, then. Go on. Go, you going Come well, on. I'm, we've spoken about it already. It's it's Triple G, Gennady Golovkin okay. against Saul Canelo Alvarez. It was overshadowed by the judging, but the fight itself was of such a high level. Uh, I, felt so, I felt sorry for the promotion of this, mainly because of what happened a couple of weeks previous with with Mayweather McGregor. Yeah. It kind of stole a little bit of thunder in the build-up. It should have got it, more of a build-up. It, it did, but it still did good numbers. I mean, I know... Our, 
the online numbers were very good. The pay per view numbers were good. Um, but it, it and the fight was brilliant. The fight was the brilliant. Fight was brilliant. In a way, there was one. I, I'd like to see them both down. Yeah, absolutely. That's the only thing. It was slightly. We needed a Rocky about. Balboa moment. But, but, didn't we? but the point is, the door's been left ajar by some absolutely crass judging, frankly. And by the way, it wasn't. I, I want to make this clear: not just Adelaide Bird at eighteen, one hundred eighteen, one hundred ten for Canelo. Um, it was. Um, it was uh, Don Treller as the well, draw. scoring it a draw when when the seventh round was one of the most dominant rounds for Golovkin in the fight he scored it for Canelo and if he'd scored it correctly it would have been a split decision for for Golovkin which should have happened but anyway we see an even bigger fight probably in 2018 And, and the funny thing is this is just what happens in boxing, unfortunately. <laughs> and it's people think it's fixed, but it really isn't. Just a couple of mentions for other fights that myself and Gareth have been fans of over the year. Because we, d- we don't want to do you a disservice. This is your show as much as it is ours. Um, in the world of UFC, for me, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje was an absolute barnstormer at UFC 28. Two lightweights. They went at oh, it for 15 mate. minutes. And I, I, I predicted Alvarez to get... Gaethje has no... Gaethje's like a, Gaethje is like a zombie on acid, <laughs> basically. And you cannot put him away. He just keeps on coming. If you're not a UFC fan, it's a perfect introduction. Go and have a look at that oh, on YouTube. I don't know about that. I don't, no, go and have a look. I, I, it's fantastic. Two lads stood in the middle of the octagon whacking lumps out of each other. It's it fantastic, reminds, mate. You know, it, no, it, it is. It's, it's, it's one of the great brawls you'll ever see. I mean, they are incredible. And in the end, when, when, you, see, when you see two men, or two women, as it might be, fighting just on instinct in the end because they're so exhausted because they've given everything yeah. that's what this fight is and in the end I think Gaethje goes over just out of pure exhaustion I've had enough son. It, 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 it body, his <laughs> arms are still swinging and he's face down do you know what I mean? look at his laughing so, at another man's so, misfortune so, no I don't no, but no, I, no he, he came out with great credit for no, that absolutely. fight but I've, uh, Alvarez is something special and, but, and let's remember this is a guy that Conor McGregor dropped five or six times yeah. in his left hand yeah, 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 to yeah. win the UFC uh, lightweight title Conor here's a request from TalkSport from Adam and myself come back brother we need you we need you we need you Uh, Chocolatito and Sirsaket at the start of the year who? Sirsaket am I uh, am I pronouncing incorrectly? see what I mean he thinks that he's because he can speak all these multiple languages no it's called polyglots is it? Right, okay. No, Are you I, educating I, listen, me on the listen, show now? You, you did really well with that. I, I don't know how to say his name <laughs> Rung, either. Rungvisai, then. Oh, there we go. Rungvisai we'll against Chocolatito. Hey, listen, we've spoke about Chocolatito yeah. in the past. You've asked me many questions, and I said, listen, he's my pound-for-pound pound best, but undefeated up until going into this fight, and he got absolutely put to school. And then in the second fight, he got dropped. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the first fight, I, I thought he was robbed. Um, it was a under- good fight, though, It was wasn't a great it? fight, but I thought he was robbed by the judges on the undercard of Gennady Golovkin and Andy Jacobs in um, in the in the Barclays Centre in Brooklyn. But the second and, fight... Andy Jacobs Adam, works at TalkSport. Uh, um, Danny, Danny, Danny Jacobs. Jacobs. <laughs> so Danny Jacobs. If Andy Jacobs is fighting, I want to go you imagine, see that. Can you imagine Andy Jacobs <laughs> fighting Gennady Golovkin? Oh, please, let's make uh, the fight happen, oh man. Oh, my God. <laughs> What have I just said? You, you spend too much time oh, on their show, mate. That's yeah, what it is. Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe it's friend of the show. Um, but the, <laughs> I can't believe... Ma- that is one of the blunders of the year. No, that's brilliant. Um, Get that the, on Clips of the Week. Yeah, but the, but, <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, the, as you say, the second fight, it's like the heart had just been ripped out of Chocolatito, one of the, the, one of the greatest Nicaraguan fighters ever. Um, and he, he was just 
he just got hammered and it's a great shame because this is a guy you know you know light flyweight those tiny um lighter weight divisions don't get enough credit and i think he went 52 and 0 or something mm. at one point in his career but amazing champion amazing guy and you know p- p- scuppered my documentary about him didn't it absolutely <laughs> yeah. uh, your fighter of the year where are you going Oh, wow. My jump, fighter of Jump to start, because I've got a little short list. I've got a little short list. I've got Ryan Burnett. What he's achieved this year, I think, in the bantamweight division has been sensational. Vasyl Lomachenko. I've got to put him up there, because what he's achieved has been outrageous. Mikey Garcia's comeback, and the two fights that he's had this year have been absolutely impressive. And for a British homegrown lad, Josh Taylor's impressed me a lot this year. He's impressed me a lot. But you know where I'm going, mate. I've told you many times who my pound-for-pound boy is. I'm going for Vasyl Lomachenko. The guy's ridiculous. He's my fighter of the year. If I could... It's so hard. I'd like to go for Vasyl Garcia. But I can't really do that. Or Mikey Lomachenko. That'd be a love child. Um, Yeah, it would be. Wow, can you imagine? Um, Yeah, I I think... uh, I think you're right. I think you you, you can't go wrong with with, with saying Vasyl Lomachenko. What about Edge? Though, what about Edge? No, no, he's not. No, he's not my boxer of the year. No, because he had um, Carlos. T- I wasn't impressed with him against. Um, let me get this right. He's twenty and zero with twenty knockouts. <laughs> not I impressed. Want, I want. He's got to do more. I want. I want. Yeah, he has. I, no, I really do think that. I'd like Anthony to have busted up Carlos Takam a bit more than he did because my feeling was in the 10th round that he was rescued in a way when Phil Edwards stopped the fight because he was very very tired um, and I'd like to have seen Anthony's mm. kind of fighting IQ a bit more in that contest um, no I, I'm going to go with Vasyl Lomachenko as Do just you know the all round boxer of the year I'm surprised you've done that I thought, I thought that you would might have gone for Katie Taylor and thrown one in there I thought that you might have gone there you know no I've moaned that, that we don't talk enough about women on our show, and 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 rightly so. We we need to just talk about women when it is the right time. Mm. Katie Taylor and Nicola Adams this year have been fantastic. Clarissa Shields in America has been amazing. Can I just make a point here as well? I would have gone OTT on uh, Johanna Jandrzejczyk. Yes, I would have done, but she got beat this year. So I, I kind of wanted just to not dwell on that particular yeah, situation. Defended the women's stru- uh, oh, strawweight title outrageous. in the UFC uh, five times, of course. Brilliant fighter, Muay Thai base, kickbox. Boxing Muay Thai, brilliant fighter, vicious, spiteful, but a very sweet lady when yeah. she's not fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute psychopath when she is. <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? Um, but I think... Um, Katie Taylor's done a wonderful year, though, hasn't she? Come on. I, I tell you what, she Katie was... Taylor winning it from Anahi Sanchez on the undercard of, uh, of, 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 of Joshua and Takam in yep. Cardiff. Um, great pressure on her. Um, she didn't have it all her own way that night. Wins a uh, world lightweight title in a seventh fight. Defends it in a brilliant fight at the York Hall a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, 1,500 people packed in the rafters in a bear pit against a very tough woman with a great jab and very powerful hooks. Um, and we started to see Taylor's boxing ability in that fight. Didn't have it all her own way. And I think she is going to headline in in Ireland at some big arenas coming up. I think she's a massive star. I just wish she'd turned pro after 2012 because I think she'd have, she'd have... I think she'd have sold out Croke Park and headlined against Minnie Mouse, frankly. <laughs> she was that popular after London 2012. She is brilliant, Katie Taylor. No, she Do is. you know what? She really... She's beautiful as well. She's a nice Such girl. A, she's beautiful. Absolutely I've got to say nice that. Girl. I'm not saying that about any of the men boxers this year, though. No, they're not I, beautiful. No, they're not. No, they're not. Uh, <laughs> especially with some of these knockouts that we're going to celebrate now, my friend. Yeah. Uh, knockout of the year. Year. Um, it's been very difficult to pick uh, a knockout of the year for me personally. I'm a big fan of Eubank Jr., the way that he's gone about his business.
business this year. His knockout of yielded him in the World Boxing Super Series was an absolute beauty, wasn't it? Um, I'm going to I'm going to go a bit off piste here. Go go go! I'm going to go to the UFC for my knockout of the year. You know, Ooh. you you you're going to kick me for this, aren't no, you? But no, I'm no. I'm going to go there. Not on air. <laughs> <laughs> Francis Ngannou's oh, knockout yeah, yeah. of Alistair Overeem is a thing of absolute beauty. I actually think that Overeem's still airborne. He's hitting that hard. It's an absolute screamer. Make sure you check it out on YouTube. Go he on. hits him with an uppercut. I've got to say this. He hits him with an uppercut that looks like it's in. It's made out of a comic book. It's, it's ridiculous. unbelievable. That's no, a very good call. He's a brilliant, brilliant fighter. Giant man from Cameroon. My knockout of the year. I, I'd like to put Daniel Dubois in there because he knocks oh. out everyone he fights at the moment. Go on. But I'm going to go. Javonta Davis against Jose Pedraza nice. really showing himself You've early the in the year. the small guys, it's I the like little it. Guys, yeah, I mean, I I was thinking about Zelani Tati who had a brilliant knockout yep. recently, but I'm going to go for um, that one that he, that he, that, Jav- that Javonta Davis pulled off against Jose Pedraza on the undercard right at the start of the year Jack as well, and yeah. James DeGale, mm. but only because it signalled just how brilliant he's going to be, and I wish him all the best in getting his life back on track because yep. he's got he's gone off the rails yeah, as well. Yeah, he, he has absolutely. Uh, special mention for uh, Mikey Garcia's knockout as a teaching in. That that was brilliant. Uh, basically, any fight that Jamel Charlo's been involved in this year has been sensational with a corkscrew uppercut at some point, knocking out Erickson Lubin and Charles Haitley. Go and check those fights out. They are brilliant knockouts. But I'm going in Garnu. You're going Javonta Davis. They're our knockouts of the year. Uh, we've still got another section to come on this show, so make sure you stick around um, because we're going to be making some wild predictions for 2018. Yeah, so ahead. get your sherry and your mince pies ready right now, yeah? And maybe and maybe your uh, you're bookie. Get online because we're going to give you some big predictions where hopefully you make a few quid. You're listening to Talk Sports Fight Night Review of 2017. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Fight Night Review of the Year on Talk Sport. Good times never seem so good. It's now it's become. An anthem of the boxing now, that's not I'm feeling fine, yeah, baby. You know what's going to do? Going for an Elvis impersonator competition in Vegas once. You know what this is Neil Diamond, though? No. I, was, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Of course I know. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> no, but you're right. It has become... Who'd have thought that Neil Diamond song, yeah. Sweet Caroline, would, no, but it would be synonymous with the moment before AJ walks into a huge stadium to fight these two heavyweights fighting and... It, 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 I don't know why. Did, well, how did it start? Do you want me to tell you why? Yeah, go on. This is the walkout music of Rocky Fielding. Ah. Rocky Fielding's a matchroom fighter. When he's performed at Liverpool, Eddie Earns looked at the reaction to the crowd, giving it the biggest. Because it's went, so, so catchy. And he's decided to nick it and use it oh. for the matchroom show. Well, let's sing along then, shall we? <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Listen, if you are it's listening a pretty to this, thing, isn't it, baby? driving your uh, driving your mm. wagon, driving your taxi. Sat at home having a little bit of Valdunican. Here we go, Enjoy baby. Enjoy yourself. Sweet Caroline, yeah! It never seemed so good. There's a reason why we talk on the radio and not sing on the radio. We haven't sold any records. I'm oh, no, feeling fine. See, he's on it now. You've, you've gone deep there. You've got a nice and little baritone on you. I've never seen so good. I'm doing Elvis by now, baby. And he hasn't even had a tequila yet. Blooming heck. Anyway, the final part of the show is predictions for 2018. Hopefully you're enjoying this. If you've only just joined us and wondering who are these two clowns singing on the radio, <laughs> it's not that. Listen, we've been, to- we've been reviewing 2017. Uh, there will be a podcast. Check it out. Fight Night on iTunes. It's available for you. Go and enjoy it. 
Uh, we've been looking back at 2017. We've done our fight of the year, fighter of the year and knockouts of the year. Now we're going to look ahead towards 2018. There's a lot of talk, obviously, already about certain fights that we want to see in 2018. I mean, Gareth, you mentioned the rematch of uh, Canelo and Triple G. Hopefully for May, once that gets signed, we'll announce it on TalkSport. Make sure you're with us for that. Uh, we're fully anticipating AJ and Parker at the start of the year, maybe at the end of March and April. We already know about Hay and Bellew and various other little bits of fights that are starting to be made. But is there anything that hasn't necessarily been mentioned as of yet that you would love to oh, see of course. Oh, in 2018. Adam. Oh, Adam, of Look, course. He's got a list. I'm going to kick back now. No, I haven't. I've got one big fight I want to see in go 2018. Go. Let's, let's have it then, mate. Come on. Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua for the WBO, IBF and WBA Heavyweight Championships of the World. You can imagine um, Big Michael doing it, Michael Buffer doing it. Joshua defeats Parker, Joseph Parker, in March. He gets the WBO, the, 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 the IBF and the WBA, the three belts that Tyson Fury held before it all went pear-shaped. And those two meet at Wembley late summer. And it will be the biggest build-up and the biggest fight we've ever seen. We've got a natural villain and a good guy. We've got the, the, the Gypsy King who will be quiet one day and he'll be getting in the face dressing as Batman Superman I don't know maybe Wonder Woman some days who cares mm. it's going to be really entertaining and you know what we will find out probably who at, the, at that point who is the best heavyweight in the world because it, you know I've been really impressed one of the things we haven't spoken about this year is Tyson Fury um, we won't go into the complications of it, I'm sure, but obviously he's free to box again, whether he boxes with the British Boxing Board of Control or someone else, as he's talking about at the moment. It's great to have him back. I, people know I'm a fan of his in the sense that I will... I, my experience of that guy is that he's not homophobic, he's not racist, he's no, not any of these things, but he's one of those guys, he's the lunatic in your changing room, he's the, he, he's, he's, he says the wrong thing at the wrong time, he's upset media, people in media circles, but he's not a bad man, and I don't, I won't have those kind of things portrayed as me being a defender of him, because I'm not, because he does say stupid things as well when he shouldn't say them, but I really like the guy, and I, I love him back in boxing. There's a few that uh, I'm going to just chuck out there. All right. I know that these are already being muted, by the way. For example, Frampton Selby would love to see that at Cole some Frampton point. Frampton Lee Selby, brilliant oh. fight. I think Selby just nicks that. Yep, I yep. would agree with you on yep. that one. Yep. Now, obviously, we know that we're going to get Groves and Eubank Jr. I personally think that Eubank Jr. will come through that, therefore leaving Groves out of the World Boxing Super Series. If James DeGale gets his stuff together, let's make the fight. Yeah, it just depends on James's mental, physical, and emotional health for me. Um, Gro Groves and 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 DeGale is is a fight that hopefully will happen. They need the rematch. I thought DeGale nicked the first fight in 2011. I, I tend to agree with you. The more time's gone in, the more uh, gone on, the more I know about young Eubank. Um, the tests that his father put him through, um, the more I get to know, and the more I've spoken to him, and the more I kind of realise or it settles into my mind that George has achieved what he wanted. He may have reached his Everest by beating Chudinov, as we mentioned earlier mm. in the year. Mm. 
and that Eubank is so hungry, so ambitious, so nasty, really, in those uh, in the square circle, that um, it could be a very tough night for Georgia. And I, I at the moment, and I need to sniff them up close in fight week. <laughs> but at the moment, yeah, you know what I mean. This is what he no, he does this generally. Well, pheromones. You, you know, get in there and have a good sniff, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get really close. No, but that's how we. That's how we assess and uh, and ascertain. I think when when things are coming really to a head, the if they're doing anything unusual, if they're behaving in any unusual kind of way. Um, But at the moment, I'm just swaying over to to Eubank, even though he's a slightly smaller man naturally. But it's a great fight. It's a really. It's so terrific, and it kicks you know the year off really well. But I'm just sad. It's six weeks into the year, six and a half weeks into the year that we get our first big fight. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that I don't want to see is Conor McGregor fighting Manny Pacquiao. I'm going to put that out there now. But what I do want to see is Conor McGregor against anybody in the octagon. I want to well, not anybody. Not Dana White. Not, no, not, no, no. not Brock Lesnar. You know not I mean. Francis Ngannou. The reason why I say that is yeah, because yeah. if they want to make a GSP fight, I'm okay with that. I'm cool. I'm cool with that. A lot of fans, if you're a USC fan listening to this right now, I know you want to see Tony Ferguson. I know you want to see that. And we want to see that. Mm. The chances of it, probably slim, if we're honest. Well... Because is there enough money in that one compared to a GSP Well, fight? that's the problem. I've just done a cover story, Fighters Only interview with, with Tony Ferguson, who, in f- weirdly, I ended up interviewing um, just like an hour after Conor McGregor had done his business jumping into the ring in Dublin or the Octagon or the Bellator Octagon that yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and, you know, pushing Mark, referee Mark Goddard. Yeah, we want to see him back against Tony Ferguson, Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz, um, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Max Holloway, Jose Aldo again. I don't... I, all of... Well, maybe G- not... Aldo anymore. GSP, GSP yeah. all of those. There's yeah, five yeah. or six fights out there that are worth 300 million US dollars all put together. And, you know, it's such a shame. I think the UFC missed a trick, you know. Um, and my feeling is that they should have given him a percentage of the company after the Mayweather think? fight. And given it, like, 0.001, whatever it was that that made him, I don't know, 50 million a year as a basic. And just kept him interested and kept him as a businessman alongside them. Because he's 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 an invaluable commodity. Because he has the ear of a hipster generation. Hmm. And I think they're going to lose out. I mean, and at the moment, he's, you know, or certainly for the last few months of this year. And I don't begrudge him any of this, by the way. We've all been 28 and partied. And and I'm not going to make any bones about that. You know, I mean, I barely slept in my 20s and 30s. You know, I worked and I burnt All the right, candle at both boy. ends. Yeah. All right, party well, boy. Well, I'm, I'm not boasting. I'm, just, I'm not boasting about it. I'm paying for it now. Mm. Um, but, the, but, you know, but we want him back to where, I said this earlier in the show, where he entertains us best. And he's got a brilliant brain as well. Mm. You know, I wrote pieces on him earlier in the year about his life as a kid. And he, he could have studied law. He had a brilliant brain at school. He wasn't academic. He had a brilliant brain. I spoke to Father Tony about this. And there was a time when he was thinking about, you know, he could have, or, t- or his teachers were saying he could easily be a lawyer because the way his mind works. Let's not waste that. Mm. Get back, Connor. Let's have these big fights. I'm going to make some wild predictions now. I'm going to make some predictions as to some British fighters that might become world champion in the boxing ring next year. All right? Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. Now, I personally believe that there might be a bit of movement in certain weight divisions where people step up, vacate titles, and therefore kids that are maybe in the top four or five might get an opportunity, and I think they've proved enough in 2017 to show us that they can do it in 2018. One of them being... Luke Campbell I think he's got enough mate I really do and I think an opportunity might come his way next year and I think he'll snap it, snap its hand off next time round well Eddie Hearn won't thank me for this but I've mentioned it before on, on a TV show on, on boxing where I, I said that the problem is for Luke Campbell there's so many 
um, fish in the in in the pond, if you like, of Eddie Hearn's matchroom stable. That he, he he could do worse than maybe going to a Frank Warren or going to a BT Sport and a Box Nation. Yeah, I agree with you. He's very talented. He came very close against Jorge Linares. It would have been a massive learning fight for him. Mm. Um, and I think Luke will come back next year and win a world title. I completely agree with you. He's my one a little bit left field because he's a little bit further back in his career. I genuinely think Josh Taylor's got something about him. Would you think he can do it in the next 12 months? Well, he's my one to watch. He's, oh, he's, he's, yeah, baby. Look he, at us. Great minds, my friend. He, he's, he's my... He's my we fist bump, We just then. did a fist bump. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we did. Well, it's so exciting talking about all these things. It, it really, really gets the juices flowing. Can I have Sweet Caroline again, please? <laughs> um, um, I think Josh Taylor, I th- he's one of the greatest talents I think we have may have seen. Or... Can I say that? Yeah, I think yeah, he I think is. I think he is so talented. He's got these slashing fists, brilliant IQ, very tall at the weight. He's always looked good. I've never seen a guy so disappointed where he, when he failed at the Olympics. Yeah, and that's and it said volumes about him, Adam. Um, I think he'll become a world champion next year. He's he's one of my ones to watch, certainly from this side of the pond. You know, along with um, Daniel Dubois, he's a one to watch, not a world champion next year. British champion. Do you think next year? Yeah, we, without question, yeah. but not even twelve months. Yeah. Not even twelve months. He's absolutely sensational. I mean, that, I mean, there's there's talk about put it. Is Sam Saxon the champion at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's talk about they, they put him in with him now. But he's he's twenty. He's a giant. He's twenty. He can do press ups for three hours without stopping. I know you can as well. <laughs> but he no. We will find out how good he is next year because he'll have to take some punches on the chin properly. It's been an absolute pleasure doing this. I've really enjoyed going through. Can I also say in America as well? Because I'd like us to pick an, um, an overseas... Shaka Stevenson, the oh, featherweight. Mate. Who's one of nine siblings. He was brilliant at the weekend, wasn't he? Yeah, and he's, he's 4-0 and in his career now, I think. Or 2-0. With, with, I can't even remember what he is. He's either 4-0 or 2-0. Sights Andre Ward is a great hero. He's one of nine siblings. He's from Newark. He's got a beautiful mini afro. Um, I think he's a real talent. He looks so brilliant, so skillful. Could be another Mayweather in the making. Mm. But even Mayweather early on was very exciting. But he's my American boxer to look forward. Do you share that sentiment? Uh, there's no question about it. Last year I went Javonta Davis because I knew he had that fight lined up with uh, Jose Pedraza and I fancied it, even though Pedraza's brilliant mm. at the time. Javonta Davis was just on that up curve I hope he gets his stuff together again because I think he can be absolutely tremendous absolutely mate uh, so, so there you go Shaka Stevenson are you rubbing your hands together oh, like that I'm so excited Shaka Stevenson yeah <laughs> absolutely why not why not indeed uh, listen it's been a pleasure doing the show with you hopefully uh, people listening if you've been with us all the way through this two hours hopefully you've enjoyed it if you only come halfway through it is available as a podcast go and check it out our review of 2017 and our predictions for 2018 every Saturday night on TalkSport myself and Gareth will be doing fight night for you as we start 2018 and as Gareth just rightly said there we'll be building up towards Groves Eubank Jr our first proper big one this year we've obviously got Hair Bell U hopefully some AJ stuff to get involved this is your home for British boxing on radio in the UK make sure you come and join us every Saturday night from 10 o'clock see you soon have a sing song to finish off the show Good night. sweet Caroline your time never seems so good Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 